0: guys and welcome to TrailerCast. I am Elise Snipes, your host, and I am super thankful to be here today. We are going to be talking and doing a TrailerCast conversation, which are episodes with real people, real listeners in real time. So what happens is people decide to write in with a part of their story they want to share here, and then we talk together and work through their story. And sometimes it's like navigating like a problem or something they want to solve in real time. And other times it's just wanting their story to be known so that other people who are experiencing something like it can draw from their hope, experience, strength, perseverance, resilience. And that really is today's. So Kirstie is going to be sharing with us today her journey with bipolar 2 diagnosis, what it has been like to go and get diagnosed, the medication journey, and what it is like to live a life of wholeness. Okay, Kirsty, welcome to TrailerCast. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for just your bravery and transparency and being willing to be here and just open up a really important conversation today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about you. You came in with an email prompt saying, "Listen, there has been big shift in my life, and I would like to be able to put that out in the open and talk about it." Would you mind talking a little bit about what was your what's your big thing that's been going on?
1: Yeah. So back in the middle of twenty nineteen, I was diagnosed with bipolar type two. Um, it was a huge shock when the diagnosis came through. But as time has gone on, I've started to recognize that it's really been a part of my life for a long time. So to get the diagnosis and to start the medication has made a big difference and it's helped me become more myself again, rather than the two extremes of the behaviors that I was exhibiting.
0: So let's, for people who don't know what bipolar or bipolar two is, what if we took a second to... Kind of clarify for people, clear up what bipolar actually is, because I hear it used all the time. Oh, that person's bipolar.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, for me, my understanding is with bipolar, there's the two extremes of behavior. So there's the manic or the mania side, and there's also the depressive side as
0: well. Yep. It people um, like to throw that around lay people, right? Like just like regular people. Let's throw that around at other people. Um, It's like one of the top um, diagnoses I hear people trying to diagnose other people with that aren't actually diagnostic practitioners. So when we see somebody in a phase of mania or in a phase of depression that is very different than what people are seeing as erratic behavior or are seen as Um, someone who's aggressive so it's an interesting like we need some education around what bipolar actually is.
1: Mm, That's true and even my knowledge beforehand was quite limited so to receive a diagnosis from medical professionals and not exactly understand what that meant was a bit frightening to be honest because I didn't understand what that meant for me and my family and my future and what that could unfold um, over time. So to have the information out, out like, online and to speak to professionals and to get that clarity and have a bit more confidence in what that meant for my life um, and others that experience this as well was
0: um, yeah quite comforting. Mm, gosh, that's an... So what took you to a, diagnos- a diagnosing person to begin with? What was going on that's like, I need to go check this out?
1: Yeah, so it originally began about four years ago with the birth, the birth of my daughter, so I experienced some birth trauma and went to a therapist to work my way through those issues, um, and so we'd already established a long-term relationship when some extreme behaviours started to become more present, and basically the next session she sat down and said, I think we might have something here that we've not explored before, um, have you heard of the term bipolar? And she began to explain the correlation between the behaviours that I was exhibiting um, and what the diagnosis would mean. So it was only when she started to lay it out, it made more sense to me. And I remember looking at the checklist of you know, possible symptoms of, of bipolar and I'm looking down the list and I'm thinking, yep, I ticked that box, I ticked that box, I ticked that box. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as it was a shock, it was also um, reassuring that we'd found something that actually was relevant to me. And once we had that diagnosis, we could then move forward.
0: It's so postpartum maternal health. This is what, I mean, that's that's phenomenal for one that, that there's that type of screening or that someone was paying close enough attention to you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I think it mainly came from my partner when we were having issues um, at the beginning of my daughter's life, so four years ago, and we decided that we wanted to get some help for me Mm -hmm. to work our way through those issues. Um, So I don't know where I would be if I hadn't taken that first step towards help. Mm.
0: It's a scary journey. It was, were, were you receptive when you're, when someone's partner suggests that they, that their, that their partner get help, that's not always received super well.
1: Mm. No, I definitely was. Um, I was in a really dark place and knew that there was a better way, but just couldn't quite manage to um, get myself from underwater to, mm. to find, help myself. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, Christy, totally. That's the... Um there is a readiness that comes from like the birth of some desperation sometimes of like, underwater. I just don't even know if anyone sees me. And yeah. so it felt like maybe when your husband puts that out there, they're like, Oh yeah, I do. I, I want to hold on to that lifeline.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And knowing that he was a safe person and I trusted him completely, I knew that his intentions were pure and wanting the best for me and for our family.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gosh what is what is it like maybe before medication before intervention what is a experience living inside of the symptoms of bipolar 2 disorder
1: yeah so as i mentioned before there's the two extremes there's the mania and there's also the depression so i certainly experienced both for me the depression manifested with no energy Um, needing lots and lots of sleep, feeling hopelessness, um, even some suicidal thoughts. So there were times when everything just seemed really cloudy and murky and dark. And even having a beautiful family and a wonderful life and on the outside having nothing to complain about, I just couldn't seem to push through the darkness. So that um, that was that side. And then for the mania, it was very much um, boundless energy and feeling like take on the world and l- needing little to no sleep, um, risk-taking behaviors, which weren't great. Um, just basically feeling um, well, manic <laughs> pretty yeah. much. But yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, well, exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you were in a, the phase of either depression or mania, Did you know?
1: Yes. I knew when I was in a depressed state, I had enough self awareness to see it for what it was, but also finding comfort in feeling that way too, because it was a known feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the flip side, with the mania, I didn't recognize it till afterwards. So it was only with hindsight I was able to see, oh, okay, that behavior, that was part of the bipolar, that wasn't me being in the right mindset, that was Mm. that side of the um,
0: mental illness. Fascinating. So you could recognize the depressive phase and were familiar with it in a sense like, okay, I know what this is. Mm -hmm. Did Did the mania feel like you could finally breathe again? Was that relief from the depression?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it felt amazing and I never wanted to leave state. Um, but as I mentioned, once I moved past that and started to come back down, I could recognize that the behaviors I was exhibiting um, weren't healthy for me or my family.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of the more like painful aspects of bipolar is not being able to actually see that this is the phase that I'm in mm. and that I'm, I wouldn't make these decisions if I wasn't in this phase.
1: Yes, absolutely. 100%.
0: How much time would you spend in either phase?
1: Um, The mania would probably last for a week to two weeks, whereas the depression would last for months.
0: Mm. Gosh, no wonder the mania felt so great.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Because, I mean, just like you survived... An intense depressive state for months. Mania was would have been incredible to feel after that.
1: Mm, yeah, definitely. And it almost felt like there was no in between the two. It would be one extreme to the other. There'd be no happy middle ground that I could just comfortably live in. It would be either in a depressed state or in a in a mania state.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's actually like important to note because I think a lot of listeners will be like, well, I feel depressed and I feel like sometimes like I've got more energy than I know what to do with. And that's not bipolar. So um, we all gravitate to some spectrum of this pole of I sometimes feel depressed. I even sometimes think about dying. I even sometimes think about like, you know, just all every single dark depressive thought that comes with the low end of the spectrum. The difference is you said there's no middle ground. So, someone with bipolar disorder isn't sliding through the spectrum. There's rapidly ping ponging between one side, the other side, one side, the other side. So, Mm. in this specific type of bipolar, anyway. So,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Clear. It's important to distinguish.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: When someone said, well, let's see see what it looks like now. What is life now? How are you living with functioning, cared for, aware bipolar?
1: Um, Life is pretty good. (laughs) Being on medication and continuing the therapy has been exactly what I've needed. So I've been on medication since um, about June 2019. So almost 18 months And it took us a while to find the right levels. So I'm on a um, mood stabilizer to help with the mania and an antidepressant to help with the depression. And there are so many different types of medications out there. So to try and find the right medication for me and then the right levels of each um, did take a bit of time, but the um, dosage that I'm on now is perfect for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm finding that I'm able to enjoy my life, enjoy my children, um, wake up with purpose and not feel like I have to succumb to the mental illness.
0: Kirsty. I wish that this was a commercial. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Because <laughs> <way? laughs> we, I'll speak for myself, it's easy, it has been easy in my past to just suffer and feel like this is something's wrong with me. This is the way I'll always feel. I, I can remember just forgetting that I used, that there's another option for me. Mm. So hearing you say that, I'm like, oh, that's a lifeline of hope that you're extending, that mental illness, specifically we're talking about bipolar disorder, is treatable to the point where you feel like you wake up with purpose and are enjoying your life. Mm.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm so glad that you get to tell the story today.
1: Thank you. I'm glad that I'm able to be in a place where I feel the way I feel and I'm able to share my experience and knowledge so that others can benefit too.
0: For people that are listening and are maybe wondering if this is like, oh man, maybe this is me, what would you you hope for them?
1: I would hope that they have a support network, whether that's a supportive partner or friends or family, that can help guide them through the initial stages of diagnosis. Um, There are so many different types of mental illness and all are just as scary as the other when you don't have the knowledge behind it or don't have the support. So my hope would be that you have that immediate support network and then you're able to access a medical professional that can help guide you through the next stages of that diagnosis.
0: I'm taking notes as you're saying that because I want to include that um, support. A support network is one of the most strong indicators on how a patient will actually do. So we mm-hmm. need other people um, to, to know that we're going to be okay. Right? Yeah. To know that like, okay, I'm not alone in this. To be alone in our own diagnosis is is like a whole nother diagnosis in and of itself. Because we're also suffering the human condition of isolation or loneliness, feeling misunderstood. Um, So I love that you led with that, that sense of a support network.
1: Mm. I don't know how you can do it without people around you because you can't always recognize the behaviors. So you need someone to help point it out um, so that you can begin the process of getting better again.
0: That feels like a giant metaphor for all of things, right? Like I'm like, I, I need for whether it's diagnosis or otherwise, someone just to kind of help look in from what they see and say, hey, Elise, what's up? You know, I noticed this is what's going on or I see this part of you. We, we, most of the time are unable to accurately gauge like where we are at and what it looks like from someone else's seat. So yeah, we do yeah. need other people. Absolutely. Have you met other people with bipolar?
1: No, I, I haven't actually. So I haven't gone as far as um, reaching out to any support groups or networks. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure why. I think um, having my therapist regularly has sort of been a way for me to have all my questions answered. And I haven't felt the need to seek out other people that have bipolar um, but it would be interesting to see others and to hear about their experiences and see what their journey has been like. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's a good distinction too right when we talk about support it's not always people that are in the same place as us but just people that actually care for you and can show up for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah definitely. Um, Hardest part what's been the hardest part of whether that is just your journey your whole journey with bipolar disorder with What was hard?
1: Probably when I did have thoughts of suicide um, because I've got two young children who I love with all my heart. And to think that in those dark times that they would be better off without me. Now looking back, I see how short-sighted those thoughts were, but at the time they felt quite powerful So being able to move through that and get to a place where I can enjoy them again and enjoy life again, looking back, it scares me to think what could have happened, but I know now that that's another symptom of bipolar. So being able to continue the medication, continue the therapy, continue working on me and my own personal growth means that I'm further and further away from
0: being in a place where I'm not here. That, thank you. Because it's, it's brave to name that, right? To say at its worst and in my darkest, what I entertained at that time would have been the worst. That would have been the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also hearing you delineate or distinguish between the diagnosis or the mental illness talking versus your actual self. Yeah. It's hard to distinguish that we, we believe and feel and sense it all as one thing, I am this, these are my thoughts, these is, this is what I want, rather than, no, this is something that depression, I'm being influenced by depression, I am being influenced by mania, but I am not these thoughts, this is not me. This is something that is disrupting or disturbing my sense of clarity or what I actually want. Mm, Exactly. What does your work in therapy look like as far as like, what do you guys, what do you talk about? How do you understand bipolar in the context of therapy? Um,
1: It's good because we talk about everything. We talk about all different types of, um, all different parts of life and I'm able to share what I'm experiencing currently. And then my therapist is able to point out anything that might still be of concern. So we'll talk about things to do with my work or my family, or just me in general. Um, I often say that it feels like I've got someone by my side that's guiding me through life, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, a few steps ahead that helps me navigate where I am and where I need to go. So the conversations we have are quite varied and in depth. And in that space, I can be as vulnerable as possible and know that I'm supported during that time.
0: It's like normal stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Normal stuff. That's like that's what I hear like on from my side of the couch is people talking about their normal stuff. What mm-hmm. what work is like, what motherhood is like, what but being partnered or not partnered is like what, what it feels like just to be themselves right now.
1: Mm. And there's power and beauty in that. Mm.
0: There sure is. <laughs> to be willing to be witnessed, right? To be willing to say, "I'm going to take off the way I want to be perceived." or what I hope people think about me. Right? And to do that in the context of restorative relationship, it's magnificent.
1: Mm, it's absolutely freeing, it's liberating for sure.
0: How do you plan to talk to your kids about this? Or will you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a very um, open person and open parent when it comes to my children. Um, I meet them where they are. So when they ask questions, I'm able to answer them in a way that's responsible and at their level. So they've seen me take my medication. They go, Mummy, what's that? And I say, these are some pills to help Mummy's brain work a little bit better. So my children are four and six currently. And they don't at the moment have many questions, but I know as time gets older, because also I should point out that, um, as with many mental illnesses, bipolar um, is genetic. So I do have the awareness that they could also be inflicted with this as they get older. Um, So I want them to have a good knowledge and a good understanding that, you know, there are things um, sometimes that we can't control initially, but with the right support networks and, um, and medication in my case, it's been something that um, has worked for me. So, as they get older, I want to share that with them and share the journey of what it's been like so that if they um, do suffer from bipolar, then they're able to hopefully have a bit more self awareness and perhaps receive a diagnosis earlier that may prevent other behaviors from happening to begin with with them.
0: Your eye is wide open in this. <laughs> yeah there can be a lot of like residual denial around the fact that this might happen to my kids and to hear you just very objectively be like, well, it's genetic, it's possible. And so I'll just be aware of it and help them navigate that. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's simple. Thanks for putting that out there. So painful, but potential, but, but simple.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, because I'm, I'm 34 now, so my diagnosis came when I was 32. So if my children could potentially figure out this part of life younger, if need be, then that's only going to benefit them.
0: Yep, yeah. Yeah, bipolar disorder is something that we can watch for in children. And then at the same time, sometimes children's behaviour – looked like bipolar disorder. <laughs> and so <Yeah>. we <laughs> want to differentiate, allow that, that kiddo brain to continue to develop. But what is such a gift for all of the parents that I get to work with um, directly in my office or even via this podcast, it is a gift to be able to use our own experiences with mental illness, to be an advocate for mental wellness within our children. We are so much more able when we decide to be to recognize it and then make sure we get early intervention right away mm. because of that because of that sense of i'm going to look at this thing in myself and in my children when there's early intervention we're seeing a lot less of the behaviors having impact on their life we're able to get to it quicker which means there's less suffering which means there's less long-term mm. result like long-term effects so I'll speak for myself but also to parents that are listening the more we care for ourselves and our own mental wellness the better our children do whether or not they ever have any official diagnosis they're mm-hmm. healthier they're more aware we're less afraid of the fact that like hey this is a part of life we're looking at it it feels so much mm-hmm. more free to just Absolutely.
1: know it yeah and we're able to enjoy our children more, mm-hmm. and not impart our problems and issues onto them or project onto them. We can enjoy the, the journey of parenting, which benefits everyone. Yeah,
0: because it's so hard. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> because <laughs> it's so it's so hard and complicated to parent, and so it is it definitely relieves. I've experienced like, like when i my, my own story is like in my side, you know, rather than on them, it mm-hmm. is a lot more clear to be like, right, right, right. That is not you. That's me. Oh, there's me again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is next for you in regards to living with this diagnosis? Is it, do you daily think about it? Does it affect your workplace? Like what's, what, is, what is it touching right now in your life?
1: Okay. Um, I definitely think about it daily because I'm taking medication daily. So for me, every time I take my medication, it's a reminder that I have bipolar, but it's also for me a powerful reminder that I'm on the right path with taking care of myself. Um, it doesn't affect my workplace um, in terms of my, my ability to do my work and to socialise at work. Um, I think for the most part um, I'm not experiencing the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. There are still aspects where I feel like, again, with hindsight, I can think, oh, maybe that decision wasn't the best. But then I don't want to um, pathologise it too far because it might just be, well, I'm still learning through life anyway, so mm-hmm. maybe that was the best decision that I could make with the knowledge that I had. And then as time goes on, I learn from that and make a better decision next time.
0: God, that's so whole and balanced to hear you say that, right? To, I'm going to be aware of bipolar, but I'm not going to think everything I do is because of, of this must be manic or this must be depressive. Like, oh, this might just be normal, regular, typical human things. Yeah, absolutely. You have an incredible ability to hold... Um, to hold both and to not be sucked into what this could be. That's incredible. It's an incredible amount of self-control.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And also to hear you take out the fear of this affecting the workplace. I think a lot of people are afraid that if they actually go take care of their mental health, then they might have to get on medication, that it'll affect their functioning, but it. it I hear through your story that it's the opposite. You're like, oh, I am higher functioning. I am more myself. I am not impacted in the workplace now that I'm able to get the help that I needed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It helps to level off the extremes so that I can be a normal functioning person.
0: Yeah. you like really, you are like the commercial poster child in the sense of like everything <laughs> I want to communicate about um, like true self right and like true self is is you right here right now taking care of your true self and we can e- confuse the eclipse of the like the the diagnosis eclipsing our true self and then we think that is us and so right now like we've pulled that apart and you're out of that shadow and it's like no this is my true self and it mm. feels so good to just be like ah oh, feel so much more clear out here
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think because I was in that murkiness for so long, I now have the ability to look back and see where I am now, as opposed to where I was and know, oh, wow, like where I am now is so much better. And it's only going to get better from here as life goes on.
0: What, is, um, what does your top look like now? So as being medicated, what does like your high or your, your joy or your intensity look like now?
1: Um, that's a really great question. I think for me, it's just the ability to just well up with emotion and love and joy and feel positive about being around my children or enjoying parts of my life and just knowing that when I'm feeling really good, it's like a safe good as opposed to like, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow, safe good. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, um, and then conversely, what does what does depression look like, or what does sadness look like, what does darkness look like to you now? Um,
1: that's actually a really good question because um, a couple of days ago, I woke up and just felt in a bit of a funk, mm-hmm. like I didn't quite feel like myself. And I remember laying in bed thinking, "All right, am I in a depressive state, or am I just having you know, have I gotten out of the wrong side of the bed, sort of thing." Um, and throughout the day I was just being mindful of how I was feeling and just kind of naming it along the day and thinking no like actually today's a good day like there's not there's nothing going on there's nothing wrong being able to kind of say to that part of myself you know thank you for being here thank you for presenting yourself to me but I don't I don't need you today I don't need this input so being able to kind of have a conversation internally as well as having a bit of self awareness. It helped to work through that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I haven't had a depressive state in, well, I guess over a year, which has been, yeah, life-changing.
0: That is life-changing. Gosh. And yet, like, again, you're kind of opening up the uh, some truths here that you still have joy and you still have funks. Um, so we i think sometimes people are afraid that medication is going to numb them and mm. it's a, it's like kind of shrunk the poles for you right we're coming back yeah. into more of the middle where there are you said safe good which i just ab- obsessed with that combination of words and then also safe sad right like that there's a sense of i am sad but not suicidal i can be in yeah. a funk but i can hold myself through that and yeah and you no know, okay is this is this the beginning of something or is this just a weird day? Mm.
1: And I think in the past I would have succumbed to feeling those sad thoughts and let them take over, whereas now because I'm so often experiencing the safe good and I know how wonderful that feels, it's all, almost like I'm saying, no, actually, I don't want to have a bad day today because I how beautiful life is and I want to experience it to the fullest ability.
0: Mm. Gosh, (laughs) I'm just like, I just keep looking at you thinking like, gosh, this is like, it blows my mind a little bit because if everybody could hear this conversation, like, I just wonder what people might do as far as taking care of their own mental health when they hear somebody who has done that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I hope that they do. I, I hope that my sort of, my theory is that everyone should go to therapy at least once because they need to experience what it's like to have that safe person and to really open up and feel like life can get better. It can always get better.
0: So I would like to say that this is not a paid commercial that (laughs) (laughs) you are a real human being. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Genuinely got connected and (laughs) I didn't tell you what to say. (laughs) No. But I think that's like anytime like you or I or other people have experienced something good, it's like, it's just inarguable. There's a sense of like, but it's just good. And I hope other people have that good thing. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what's a, maybe a final word or something you would like people to know um, and or consider just from your words, your experience?
1: Hmm. I think the main thing is whether you have a mental illness or not, is that our journey through life is beautiful and there are so many amazing things that we can experience if only we're, I guess, brave enough to take the chance. So if you are feeling like something's not quite right or if someone like a partner has mentioned to you that they want you to get help, please take it on board and get help. Um, life can get so much better if only you have the courage to try.
0: Beautiful. Kirsty. thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, I'm deeply thankful for your work that you have applied to like get your life back and it's brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant to hear. I, I see the evidence of like the fruit of your work in therapy the way you hold on to yourself, like you have like this incredible, like fierce determination of like, no, I believe that life is good and I want to be here for it. And it's, I feel very empowered right now. um, Just getting to witness your story and getting to be like, okay, yeah, you are real. This is real. This is a possibility. This isn't just a pipe dream. This is like the, this is your lived experience. Mm,
1: Absolutely and thank you for having me i've been a a huge fan of the podcast and you for a long time and i've found it invaluable and always look forward to episodes coming out and um and hearing other people's stories so to be you know a small jigsaw puzzle piece um along the journey it's been yeah an absolute honor so thank you
0: Okay, so when when I first was preparing for this conversation with Kirstie, I was like, okay, like this is going to be incredible to get to hear the words of somebody from the inside of mental illness versus from the outside looking in. Like we to really get to hear a, a real person's story is such precious gold. Because it's so vulnerable, right? To, for someone to share their journey. Be like, this is, this is where I've been. This is what's happened. This is how I felt. This is what I've thought. This is where it sucked. This is, you know, this is what I couldn't see in myself. Like, how freaking brave. But to actually get to just have that conversation, I'm sitting over here like, what? I <laughs> Everything that like she said, what a journey right? From suffering to diagnosis that ultimately lands in comfort and clarity. She is the poster child for what I hope is the story from mental illness to mental wellness, right? That we would be able to raise our hand or have someone lovingly raise our hand to say something's up and this just isn't you, And that we would get education around our symptoms to know what's normal, what's not. I mean, isn't that the thing that we're all kind of wondering? Is this normal? Am I normal? Is this normal? Is my kid normal? Is my partner normal? Is our life normal? That resounding, like looking for something solid is exactly like where Kirstie took that right back into a therapeutic relationship to say, hey, someone like trained on that. Can you please give me some parameters on what's normal? Mm. it's so good. I took a bunch of notes while she was talking. I want to go over a couple of the things with you that I heard that I didn't want to forget. Um, One of them was for sure the process of diagnosis, how it goes from being a, she said said frightening first, right? Like there's suffering and it's frightening. And then, then through that there's clarification, there's future orientation. So instead of Sometimes like in our depressive states or manic states, we're not in the here and now and we're definitely not future oriented. And so that's what that's what hope is, right? And so we can get outside of that pole of depression or that pole of mania. And there's a sense of, oh, right, my future. <laughs> and the confidence and clarity with which you spoke about what it's actually like to be a person. It's so good. Um also her experience that this came out of a birth trauma a lot of the time we have a, we have a lot of undiagnosed um I see I'm struggling to use the word mental illness because I have such an aversion to that because I with such a weird picture of what mental illness is so I'm gonna just let you guys think about, what we heard from Kirstie today, and we're hearing her use the words mental illness and how healthy she is. So let's just hold the juxtaposition that if Kirstie was our poster child for a person with mental illness, like that is a much more optimistic picture. Okay. So just got to put that out there. So, so maternal mental health, women or people that have gone in to have their babies, they have their follow-up appointments. There is a huge need for screening at this point for intervention to assess the fallout or what happens after the hormones, the sleeplessness, the trauma, blah, 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 blah. Um, we We need to screen. We need to screen. We need to screen. We need to screen. If you are listening and you are a mom, or you are a partner of somebody who has given birth, or you are a friend of someone who has given birth recently. Please check on them. How are you? How are you really? What's going on? What's the hardest part of this right now? Okay. Her um, Kirsty's experience there was just phenomenal. That's exactly what we hope happens in the healthcare system: is that our um, symptoms aren't always caught by a therapist. Usually, people don't get to therapy first. Okay. People go to their pediatrician more often, to their OB more often, and that then gets them into door to therapy. So let's just maybe hold that for a second as well. Um, Be honest with your doctors and ask them for what you need. Get the referral you need to the mental health professional who can then help and hold that piece of your story as well. Um, Something else I'd like to point out is just how normal therapy sounded. Did you guys catch that? That when people go to therapy, that it's not always big, dark, scary, and weird. That therapy is also like just talking about normal stuff. So again, let's just like blow open that stigma surrounding mental health. That um, that therapy is going to be a certain way. So I just heard her sharing about therapy in the most like incredibly normal, normative way. And so just a word to you as well: if you have never been to therapy, and you've thought about it, please reach out. Um, there are Really phenomenal ways to engage therapy um, in very normal ways. Um, Other than that, the last piece she was talking about, which I was obsessed with, and we can all borrow from this, is the idea of how she thanked her parts. I don't know if you caught it, but you can maybe rewind. Um, She was talking about if she woke up in a funk and then she was wondering if it was a depressive state, and she was thinking maybe it was just a funk, and so she like was like, "Thank you for showing up, and I don't really need to have that today." So what she is modeling is a piece of integration and also a piece of gestalt therapy and internal family systems where we look at the different parts of ourselves and rather than separating from them and being like, no, that's bad, I can't think that. Oh, that's depression, I can't have that, we move away from it. We lean in, we draw it in, we hold it, we, we, we think it, we, we integrate it. it, becomes a piece of us to say, I recognize that this is how I' my feeling state right now. Thank you for showing up today. And there are other pieces in me than just this. So thanks. And I'm going to take that one right now. There's a, there's a different moving towards the piece rather than shunning that piece or denying that piece or castigating that piece to some other dark part of ourselves. So as a construct, the idea of integration and wholeness is what leads to radical wellness. When every part of ourselves is welcome, when every part of ourselves has a place, when every single piece of us is at home within us, that's total restoration. Thank you, Kirsty, for showing that to us in your story. If you heard Kirsty's story, you have questions about bipolar disorder or getting started in therapy, please reach out. Um, clearly, listeners are all over the world. And so if this podcast is making sense to you and you think it would make sense to someone that you know, send it their direction, you guys. The more this conversation gets out there, the more normal we're all going to feel when we're able to openly talk about our journey to our whole self. Okay. As always, if you have a thought or a thing you'd like to talk about on TrailerCast, let me know. You can email me at hello at elisesnipes.com. Um, find me on Instagram at elisesnipes. Um, yeah, I love hearing your stories. I love being connected to the fact that this place, TrailerCast, is allowing us to connect at, on a global level. So rad. Okay, have the best week, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>